Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another MyJS story. This week, we're talking to Max Stoiber. Max, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Max. Um, I'm a front-end developer, JavaScript developer from Vienna, Austria, in Europe. Um, I work at a company called ThinkMill, which is based in Australia, which is not Austria. Um, that's a totally different country. So I work for a company called ThinkMill based in Sydney, Australia, um, where I work as an open source developer and do all sorts of JavaScript-y open source stuff, basically. Awesome. We also recently had you on JavaScript Jabber. Um, yes, Exactly. I don't have the exact episode number in front of me, so I, I, I guess I have to double check, make sure that it's been released. But um, yeah, yeah, we'll put it in this notes, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so uh, I've been inviting all of the guests from JavaScript Jabber onto the show, so we can talk about uh, who you are and tell your story, which is uh, kind of the deal that I'm excited about. So uh, let's go ahead and get started with the first question, and that is, how did you get started programming? This episode is sponsored by Newbie Remote Conf. Newbie Remote Conf is a two-day completely virtual conference hosted by none other than Charles Max Wood. If travel expenses are an issue or you just can't afford to be away from home for two days, then join us. It's virtual. This conference is focused on people who are new to programming who want to learn what the pros know or just get a leg up in getting a job and getting into the programming community. We'll have speakers from all over the programming community to help you stay current and a Slack room where you can connect with speakers and other attendees in real time. We'll also have a live roundtable video chat for attendees and speakers, plus we'll provide the talk recordings to you within days of the conference. Early bird tickets are available for $150 until May 12th, and the call for proposals is open until April 28th. So come join us at newbieremoteconf.com. So I started programming in school, uh, I think, um, because I was doing, I was playing Minecraft um, and wanted to run my own server for myself and my friends. And to run a server, you sort of have to have a server. But then since I already had the server, I, I thought I, I should also have a website so other people could find my Minecraft server and could play with me and my friends. Um, and I put together some really horrible HTML and then <laughs> gave up pretty quickly. Um, I, I, I don't think that site ever saw the light of day. And then in school, we had every, so we had this school website and every pupil had to sort of in the, in the IT class, create sort of a personal website for themselves, like inside the school website. So we had this sort of limited sandbox environment where everybody was would sort of learn HTML from a teacher and then try to build something and hack something data together. And it had like a guest book and everything. It was really advanced. Um, so I created that personal website and had a little fun with that, doing lots of blinking things and inputting some random gifs I found somewhere on the internet. Um, and that was, I think, really the first time I ever, ever programmed anything at all. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I probably spent weeks tweaking that personal website, adjusting the content, adjusting the font, adjusting everything, the colors. Like I, I played around with it a lot and sort of gone to IT over sort of games and school. And then took some classes in school, like shell programming and an introduction to Java. Where I didn't really, I did some, like I, I programmed some, some very basic control flows, but I, I wouldn't really say I programmed. Um, in the sense that there wasn't, well, I guess I did program, 
but I didn't make anything useful. And then for my, in, so in Austria, when you graduate high school, you have to write this 40 page paper about a topic of your choice. It's not really a thesis because you don't prove anything. Like it. It's not very scientific. It's just write 40 pages about some topic you care about. And for some reason that I can't remember now, I wrote about TCP IP, about network protocols, which is one of the most boring topics you could imagine. <laughs> um, yes. It is super dry. Like it's totally, like the, the paper was the, probably the most boring paper out of all of them, I assume, because it was horrible. But <laughs> I had this sort of 40 page paper about TCP IP but I've never actually used it. Like I, I had all of this knowledge, but I've never actually done with it. And I thought, okay, so what's the most basic or one of the most basic usages of, of the network, right? Of networks, what can you do with them? And I thought about, hmm, I could set up my own router or I could set up my own switch at home or something, but that doesn't, like, that doesn't seem very appealing. And so I thought, well, websites, the web, the internet is a big network. I could try making a website, like setting up a web server and trying to make something that people can actually access on the internet and got my first server. And then I had a server and had to put something there. So I started again doing some HTML and since then basically haven't stopped tweaking my personal web page. Um, it went from a very simple HTML and CSS page to a WordPress installation with lots of PHP magic and third party themes. And then you know, since then I've basically been on this track of becoming, wanting to become a front-end programmer. That's really what set me off in that direction. That That's really interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's oh. funny because I remember playing with some of the same things. Like it just gave me these flashbacks to building websites on like GeoCities or Angel Fire or something way back in the day. And yeah, was, yeah. Um, you know, and then you get I, it. I wonder how many... I wonder how many people got into programming because of Geocities and um, Neopets. Neopets is the other big one, right? I never did Neopets, so... I've heard from a lot of people that they started programming because of that site. And the same thing for Geocities. So I, these, these two sites have probably fostered a whole generation of programmers, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is weird when you think about it. Yeah, that's interesting. I yeah, like I said, I I never did anything with Neopets, so I don't know anything about it. But yeah, um, I know plenty of people who got started with something like GeoCities or Angel Fire, where they just started building stuff in HTML, and then they found some backend system or PHP that would effectively modify their HTML, and they just kind of grew from there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do I dare ask how long ago this was? I mean, you'd be showing your age. Um, yeah, I'm so I just turned 20, so this was 3 years ago. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm a little older <laughs> than 20, so when I was doing it it was quite a bit longer ago than that. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't so yeah, I haven't been I haven't actually been doing this for very long. People um sometimes see me or come up to me at conferences for example when I speak and ask me, you know, like I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm a youngster. I'm really new to the industry. I'm now 21 years old. Like what, what, like as a sort of seasoned veteran, what, what, what should I do? And I feel really weird because I'm younger than them. Like it's super weird. And then I tell them, yeah, sorry, I'm not actually older than you. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> so I can't really give you any tips, but just do stuff you enjoy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
So uh, for being not so old, it seems like you've made some uh, pretty interesting um, contributions to JavaScript and React. So I was wondering, how did you go from kind of fiddling around with HTML and uh, talking about networking protocols in a high, high school, not thesis, to JavaScript? How, how did you make that leap? Um, so I continued doing HTML and CSS for like, so I, I thought, okay, um, this, this whole HTML and CSS thing is obviously like, I, I really enjoyed doing this. I really enjoyed programming. Um, so I thought, okay, I'll study computer science. I'll, I'll go to the technical university in, in Vienna and I'll study computer science and then become a programmer. And next to the sort of, so I started my course after finishing sort of high school and then after, after, after the summer break. And I started the course and on the side still did like it's some front end development for like my mother or some friends of my family. Um, so just some really basic sites. And after probably three months of studying computer science, I didn't really do much for the course anymore. Um, because it, it sort of, it didn't really have anything to do with what I really enjoyed doing, which is front end development. It was this sort of, we, we had to do, so the, the one actual programming course I had, which was an introduction to Java, I really enjoyed. I totally aced that. I went like every, like I was super good at that. Um, but there were a ton of courses that just didn't interest me at all. And it made it really hard for me to focus on them because I was sitting on, at my PC and sort of, I don't know, sketching out a database schematic for some um, um, homework I had, to, I had to do. And, but really I, I wanted to, I, I was thinking about and wanted to code HTML and CSS, right? I wanted to make another website. I had some ideas of things I wanted to try, right? And so I'd always end up getting sidetracked and basically procrastinating on my coursework by doing front-end development. And after three months or so of, of studying computer science, I just said, okay, I'm giving up. Like, it's, it's obviously not working. Um, this is obviously not what I want to do. And thankfully got an internship at a company in London called Animate which is a, they're like a super interesting company because they're half of the company is animators who make like TV animations, like ads and stuff. And the other half of the company is an agency, a, dig a digital agency who make products for like all sorts of companies and, and websites. Um, and so I joined them as a, as a front end development intern and spent three months in London, which was super interesting and really got me into doing actual front-end development, not just, not, not, not just some very basic, you know, personal sites, but like building actual systems that are meant to last for big companies. And I learned more about HTML and CSS and then eventually jQuery and JavaScript. And after like two months, my mentors there, Simon and James went, well, Max, so um, you've been learning HTML and CSS and JavaScript for like two months now and you've been doing really well. And we don't really know um, what we want to teach you now. Like, what would you be interested in? I said, I don't, I don't really know what's like the coolest topic I could go into. I, I wanted to get better at JavaScript, but I didn't really know what that meant. And they said, well, so we're, we're, we have a project coming up, which will require some dynamic interfaces. And we've been thinking about using this new framework library thing that came out very, very recently by Facebook called react JS. Um, what do you think about just diving into that for a few weeks and just, like playing with it, around with it, building something more and figuring out if it's actually like useful or nice. And I said, yeah, sure. And built like dove into the React documentation and back then the Flux documentation 
um, and built like a tiny little app with it. And for the first time, really used JavaScript to build something. Um, and I built that studio. It, it, it sort of ended up being a studio side project, which was released. Um, and that's what really got me into the whole JavaScript React thing. And after I finished that internship, I built another project for myself called sharingbuttons.io, which is a website that you can go to and you can generate social media sharing buttons that don't track you, like uh, or don't track your users, basically. Um, and since it's it's just static HTML and CSS, and I built that with React because I wanted like to show a live preview of what those buttons actually look buttons would actually look like on your website, um, and all that sort of thing. And there were tons of options, and I built that with React. And as I was starting to build that. I sort of realized, hey, I'm doing the exact same thing I did for the last React project all over again. Like, I'm, I'm doing the exact same setup, I'm creating the exact same folders, I'm setting up Grunt again, like, it's, it's all the exact same. I should save that somewhere. So I copy and pasted that initial set, setup to another folder to sort of use it for, the, for my next project. But then I thought, well, if I just have it in another folder, I'm going to end up destroying it. Should probably like version control it, um, uh -huh. which I also learned during the internship. And so I I used Git to start version controlling it, and then I thought, well, so I have it on my local machine, but it would be cool if I had a new machine, I, if I could really easily get it. So I pushed it up to GitHub um, and called it React Boilerplate. Um, yeah, and that's basically where my whole open source journey started. Um, that was two years ago now, I think. And now React Boilerplate has almost 12,000 stars on GitHub and is used at companies literally all around the world. Um, yeah, ranging from some of the biggest ones to tiny, tiny ones everywhere, um, which is absolutely incredible to think about. And yeah, so it all, it all basically started with that internship and then them tell me if that I should trial this new thing called React.js. Yeah, React is it's 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 kind of interesting, you know, how you get into okay, I, I went and worked for this company and they were kind of teaching me the JS ropes and then yeah, you, you and and this is a story I hear a lot where people they get in, they get started, they get a job and they have some sort of mentorship at the job that they're at. And they grow and grow and grow to the point where they either wind up leaving the company or um, eventually they get to the point where the people who are mentoring them, it's like, well, I don't know what else to teach you directly, but there's this really cool thing to go check out. Yeah. Which is great. Honestly. Yeah. Um, I, I really love the, the people there. So, uh, let me ask you really quickly, how, how important do you think it is then for people at the beginning of their career to have that kind of a mentorship? I think it's really important because, when you learn on your own, you, you, you can certainly learn. The, the good thing about the web is that you can learn a lot of things by yourself by just doing view source and figuring out what are other people doing mm -hmm. and reading tutorials and blog posts. But there is um, a certain amount of professionality and um, intimate knowledge of really assessing the entire big picture that you sort of lose that way because you don't know what, like, when you, when you work in a company, you have to think about so many things. Like you have to think about accessibility, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a thing that I never thought about before I actually did like work for people. I thought, well, what is that even? Like how, how do I make something accessible? But it's really important. Um, and there's all these tiny details that you sort of lose when you don't work with people that teach you these tiny details and then make sure you take care of them. 
Um, and so I think it's hugely important to get started by, you know, having people around you that, you know, look at what you do and figure out how it could be better and sort of show you the ropes. Do you have a story or some other example of, what, uh, you know, an, an instance where somebody was able to mentor you through something or help you through something that paid off later on? Yeah, I have a good friend now who's called Nick, Nick Graf. Um, and I'm, he's, he's the original, one of the original organizers of the Reactive Vienna meetup. And I met him there, or actually I think I met him at the Vienna JS meetup. Anyhow, so I met him. <laughs> for the first time giving a talk. I, I, I think I gave a talk about, I think it was Vienna Jason. I gave a talk about post TSS and he gave a talk about, um, react Redux, if I remember correctly. And it was my first meetup talk actually. Um, and we sort of started chatting afterwards about how he, how he was using react in his projects and how I was using react in my projects. And, um, he, said he basically encouraged me, really, really encouraged me to go apply to speak at conferences. And I didn't, I didn't think anybody would accept me to speak at any conference, right? I thought, I don't, I don't really have anything to say. I'm, I'm quite happy with having spoken in a meetup. Um, I don't want to like overshoot and like get really discouraged, but he said, no, like you submit some, C some, C some CFPs. They'd love to hear about what you have to say. Like you've been doing great work at, with React Boilerplate and stuff. Just like submit a bunch of CFP CFPs and really encouraged me to get started with conference speaking. Um, and so I, I submitted a bunch of CF CFPs and then last year I spoke at 16 conferences in front of thousands oh, of people, wow. basically. Yeah. Um, so that totally would not have happened if Nick had not told me, gave me basically a kick in the ass. I'm sorry for the language. Um, and told me to go do that because I, I, I would have never thought that's a thing that you can just do, but really you can like everybody, if you build things for the web, you have things to say, everything we do has an opinion and everything we do has, um, decisions in them that we make for reason and another. And it's super interesting to listen to why people do certain things versus other things. Um, what I'm trying to say is that no matter in which stage in your career you're at, um, or how much you think you have to say, you have things to say and you should submit papers to conferences and you will get accepted and you will speak at conferences. It's not just something that very famous people do. It's like, you can do it. It's, it's not hard. Like you have things to say and you can do it. I basically. totally agree. And it's funny because, um, like I remember when I was brand new programmer and you know, I, I wasn't very <laughs> courageous either. And somebody said, you should do a lightning talk. I was at a conference that did lightning talks, which are just five minute talks and you sign up <laughs> while you're at the conference. And it was just funny because it, it just worked, you know, I got up and I did it. I had people come up afterward and say, that was really interesting. And, you know, at first I thought they were being nice, but then they asked me some deeper questions that really made me realize, you know what, what I talked about was something that they needed to hear one way or the other. And so it, it totally made a ton of sense. I'm also going to take a second here to encourage anybody who's thinking about um, the, these kinds of opportunities, you know, submit a talk to Angular Remote Conf and React Remote Conf, which are coming up this fall. Um, and as a conference organizer, I can tell you that I like getting um, two, three, sometimes four. 
Um, I think the talk, the conferences have like 16 spots. And so I like getting new speakers in for, you know, a half to a quarter of those spots. And usually I'm picking them based on the content, but I usually do try and, you know, get that kind of a split on the, the talks because you get this brand new perspective from this new person who's come into the, the community from a different place. And it makes a big difference yeah. just being able to hear, oh, well, I was new and this is what I ran into when I was starting to do whatever it is that we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. It's also, if if any of the listeners want to get into conference speaking, it's a very good idea to go to local meetups first. Mm-hmm. Um I got really lucky because the NIJS is a great meetup and actually records all of their talks. Oh, awesome. So even before I started like submit, like even before I started going to conferences, I already had a recorded video of myself talking, which is, I think something that conference organizers really like because they sort of see that you're not an incoherent rambling person. Um, but, and you aren't, if you're listening to this, um, and it's just sort of gives off a, an impression of, how how well you can speak and it's it's super important i think um but maybe you can you you agree or disagree as a conference organizer i definitely agree um i usually don't watch too much of the video but it does give me an idea of what your talk's going to look like when you give it because i can see you i can see your body language and i can see um how you organize your thoughts and things like that and and that gives me an idea okay when i'm selecting this talk it's going to be this topic but it's also going to be this speaker yeah Exactly. So um, you mentioned React Boilerplate. What, what are you working on these days that, that people would recognize you for, maybe in addition to React Boilerplate? So nowadays, I also I, I made a thing called Card Blanche, which was mildly successful, but sadly has now died a bit because I don't have the time to maintain it. Um, and then I'm now, now I'm mostly focusing on Keystone.js, which is a Node.js content management system, styled components, which is a new way to style React applications and components. And um, I very recently released a thing called Microanalytics, which is a super simple but very flexible Node.js analytics service that's on GitHub and you can just download and use okay. um, for your own good. Yeah. So those are sort of, I think that those are the things that people know me the most for. Um, it's interesting because the more, the more time I spend in the open source community and in the general front end community, the more ideas for projects I get. And the more I sort of, um, the more I want to do even more open source, if, if you know what I mean, uh-huh. um, in the sense that I see like the more you work, um, with the web, the more you realize some things that you're missing and the more you want to fix those things. And you do it like as, as developers, I think developers have this inborn tendency of fixing their own problems. Cause all we do all day long is fixing bugs and solving our own problems. And, um, it is super valuable to go in and find a problem that you solved and generalizing it and just pushing it up to GitHub and seeing if people like some other people might want to use it, you know, and if nobody uses it, you haven't lost anything. Like you still solved your own problem. Yeah. And if maybe, you know, pro- probably actually somebody will have the same problem sometime down the line and will really appreciate that you've shared your solution. Yeah, absolutely. The same thing goes for blogging, I guess. Blogging is sort of in a similar vein where 
writing down your thoughts about something, about some problem that you've had and solved somehow, or how you approach a project or anything really is hugely valuable. Even if, even if you think that nobody will, will read it, somebody will find it through some obscure search engine and will, it will basically make their day. Even if you think that it won't, but it's blogging is one of those things where it's really hard because you have to put your own decisions into words and your own thoughts into words. I, I struggle hugely with blogging. It takes me ages to get anything on paper. But when I've done it, I'm, I'm really glad I've done it because it, not only help, does it help other people, but it also organizes my own brain. Like I, I sort of see my brain connecting the synapses and sort of going, oh yeah, this belongs there. And that, oh yeah, and this is, oh, ah, interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about Freelance Remote Conf. I'm putting on a conference for people who want to go freelance or who are freelance and bringing in some of the experts from the freelancer show to talk to you about how to find clients, how to collect money, how to build your business, how to specialize and much, much more. So if you're thinking about going freelance or you're already freelance and want to hear from the experts on how to go become or grow your freelancing business, then by all means, come check us out at freelanceremoteconf.com. All right. Well, um, we're kind of running out of time. I have another appointment here in about five minutes. So I'm going to push us over into the last part of the call, and that is picks. Now, you've been on the show before, so you understand picks. Uh, do you have some yes. things you want to shout out about? Um, so I'm going to do my first shout out about something very much in my own interest, which is that I today released an article on Smashing Magazine about styled components and why it is the way it is. Um, so if you use React, um, go to smashingmag.com and check out that article. Um, it took me quite a while to write. It's one of those articles where it was like, uh, what is happening? How, how am I ever going to put my thoughts into thoughts? Um, then there's another shout out that I want to give, which is that the Babel, Babel.js is a tool to transpile your JavaScript, which a lot of people use. Literally millions of developers use Babel. And they're looking to release the next major version of it, and they need help. Um, they're looking for contributors to help them um, fix some you know, issues and um, try it out and all that sort of thing. So I'm going to link that down in the show notes. Um, if you're into JavaScript and you want to get started in open source, you want to contribute for, to the first open source project of yours, this is a very good start. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's basically it. All right, very cool. Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw a few picks out. Um, I think I've mentioned on previous episodes that um, I went to CES. Um, as we're recording this, it was about a week ago. Um, but as this is released, it was a few months ago. Um, anyway, uh, it was a lot of fun. And one of the things that I saw there that I wound up picking up was an autonomous uh, desk. Autonomous is the brand. And uh, effectively, it's a sit-stand desk with a motor in it. And uh, I... I am currently cleaning off my or cleaning out my current office so that I can move those in. Um, my wife's a little tired of the boxes sitting in our front room, so um, <laughs> I'm I'm really excited about those. So I'm going to shout out about that. Um, one other thing that I'm going to pick, and I may have done this in the last episode, but uh, I got a, a phone a portable battery. It's called GoPuck, and um, it's it's a little bit bigger than your normal battery. But uh, anyway, um, 
It comes with this clip that you can use to attach it to your belt or the strap on your bag or anything else. Um, it's it's a little bit different from what you're imagining. It has these little fingers on on both ends of it, and so uh, it kind of clicks around it. It's kind of hard to explain, but <laughs> uh, at least without seeing it. But uh, if you go check it out at gopuck.com, I think is their uh, their address. You can kind of get the idea. But um, anyway, so it. Yeah, it has this. It, it's basically a separate piece that that clips around the battery, but um, yeah. But anyway, so you put it, sounds super weird. Yeah, so I slide it onto my belt, and then I and then I snap the battery into it. Um, All right. So, anyway, it was nice because then I didn't have to carry it around or have this big bulky thing in my pocket or anything. So, yeah. Um, Go puck, definitely uh, a cool uh, tool there. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, those are my picks. Um, if people want to see what you're working on these days, Max, what do they do? They go to Twitter. That's the main, or GitHub, I guess. But Twitter is where I spend most of my day, actually. Um, HTTPS.com, uh, HTTPS, Twitter.com slash MXSTDR, which it sounds complicated, but it's just my name without vowels. All right. We will uh, put links to all of that in the show notes. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. All right. We will go ahead and uh, wrap this one up. And uh, we will come back at you next week. I think next week we're talking to Rebecca Turner from NPM. So should be fun. Nice. All right. Thanks again, Max. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more. <laughs>